Pod, 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 Pod. Rugby Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at a weekend full of away wins in the Premiership and plenty of points and tries in the URC. Plus, we'll be having a chat with the man who won all the awards on offer in the URC last season and now has his sights set firmly on the Springboks number 8 jersey, Evan Roos. Settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on Cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. How's your week been, lads? All good. Chilled. Like I mentioned before, I've cut back on a bit. I've been sacked. I mean, I've cut back. However you look at it, I ain't doing as much at the weekends. But I'll go first, Andrew, because I was down, I say your neck of the woods, our old neck of the woods in Leicestershire, on the border of Leicestershire and Lincolnshire. I did my first dinner in a long, long time. Big shout out to Oakham Rugby Club. It was their centenary dinner or their centenary year as a club and they had a dinner to celebrate it and what better man to have Leicester icon as some of the papers are calling me after last week's reference Jono yeah that's what I thought yeah someone thought I was Jono's brother and someone thought I was Victor Matfield and then I tried to tell them that it was Scotland hero and Leicester icon Jim Hamilton oh they wanted Jamie Hamilton yeah they could well have done it was so funny the demographic (laughs) of the rugby clubs you've got the old guard who are beyond grey hairs as in there was a few proper old boys there Peter Wheeler was there Talking of old boys. Good to see him still going all right. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I didn't want to say he needs to, he had, his eyebrows were all over the place, but I was like, Look, don't worry about it, mate. He was loving seeing me again, I think. Well, he smiled when he saw me. Who else was there? JD, John Duggan, our former fitness coach. Fitness coach, legend. Absolute legend. He made me into the athlete I wasn't. So I blame JD, basically. Well, he did say when I saw him, he was like, how? I was like, how what? He's like, how's he doing it? How's he still going? And I presume he was talking about you. But it was good to go. It was good. A few old boys, a few young lads as well. And lovely rugby club, Oakham. It was nice to drive there and back. I spread it out over three days. You don't want to be driving six hours one day, six hours the next. You've got to spread it out, haven't you? Make sure that... You're not getting all them driving miles. I'm like a lorry driver, effectively. That's what I was trying to say to Beck. She was like, why can't you just go there the day before and come back the day after? You can't. What do the lorry drivers do? You just take the time, don't they? No, it was good to be at Oakham Rugby Club. Good to be... I'm not even on the circuit. John Inverdale was there. He was asking for you as well, Goody. He was, actually. He was. I'm being legit. This ain't like <laughs> Galileo. This... <laughs> say it. Say it so I can do it. Was he? No. <laughs> he was, actually. He was asking for you. So, it was good. I bloody enjoyed it. A lot of energy being back in the room with people, especially with everything that's happening in rugby at the minute. And I don't want to go too much deeper into it, but it was good to be there. Goody, you had some birthdays, didn't you? I did. Mate, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's Monday afternoon here. The listeners will be listening to this starting from Tuesday morning when it gets released, but it's not great when you start a week absolutely fucked from the weekend. So, yeah, I mean, just rewinding. I had a decent week. I was behind enemy lines on Thursday, Jim. I did see, actually. Why is it enemy lines? It's your, it's your, it's your old club. Oh, yeah, true. True. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, true. I was at uh, Saracens on Thursday for the Construction Sport versus Essex Fire Service. Bit of scrapping? No, it was all good, actually. So, a massive shout out to Construction Sport. It's... A charity effectively set up for the construction industry to help deal with mental health. And it was their first rugby game. So they reckon sport helps with mental health. And that was their their first rugby game that they've had. And basically, it's a load of construction workers playing rugby. 
that made me feel a million dollars because I'm looking at some of the jerseys, some of the triple XLs, some of the quadruple XLs. There's bellies hanging out everywhere. There's people that can't run. And if I'd have played, I didn't play. I hosted it. Of course I did. I reckon I could have rolled back the years because there was a few of them that were out of shape. There's builders bombs everywhere. <laughs> and funnily enough, obviously today is uh, World Mental Health Day. Sport does a massive amount for mental health. Uh, there's a load of issues in the construction industry. Apparently two people take their life per day on construction sites across the country. So uh, massive shout out to Steve Kerslake and everyone at Construction Sport, the charity that he's set up to help with that battle. And I enjoyed my Thursday night at Saracens. I was looking around the clubhouse, Jim. I'm looking for all the pictures and I'm, I went up into the Tulip Lounge and yeah, we had some food in there. I, what I will say, the food was bloody unbelievable at Saracens, I'll be honest. And I know my food. So they've spent a bit on the spread, but I was looking for the pictures of you on the wall, Jim, and shirts hanging everywhere. Can't see you, pal. Humble. You've been erased from the memories. Why? Well, I'll be having a word about that then. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's got anything to do with you absolutely rinsing them every week or not? I think like <laughs> it's by trial by association, so they've just taken me away. Yeah, don't blame me, mate. I just I'm just honest on this podcast. But yeah, that was Thursday, Friday, pretty relaxed day. Saturday up at the Andy Good Suite at Leicester Tigers. Off the field, we're absolutely flying. The, the hospitality is on fire but we'll chat about the rugby in a bit but and then Sunday it was the girls fifth birthday party and Jim I know you had your twins birthday party a few weeks back the twins are in separate classes at school so we had to invite every kid from the two classes 35 kids from school 18 in one class and 17 in another basically all the dads came to talk rugby so I ended up with we had a couple of princesses they're all dressed as Elsa and Anna from Frozen couple of the princesses looking after them. I'm like, right, you do your job and just look after all the kids and I'll do my job and look after all the dads and we'll have a few beers. So, uh, yeah, long day, clearing up afterwards. The, the kids have got a sugar high. No, you didn't clear up. You didn't clear up, did you? I watched people do it, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, and firstly, going back though, did you compare Range Rovers in the car park with the dads or not? Or was it just straight ruggers chat? You don't need to, mate. You don't, what, humble. What, what, just humbly, <laughs> mate. Just park the car and walk. You don't need to tell people what you drive, but... Yeah, no, just ruggers. The, the dads, uh, my missus was like, and fair play, shout out to my missus for organising absolutely everything. All I had to do was sort the cake out, which you do what you do. You go to social media and ask someone, if I throw some money at the situation, can you make me an amazing cake? And and they did. But she handled absolutely everything. And she was like, it's funny, isn't it? All, you have all these birthday parties, none of the dads come. None of the dads go to any of the birthday parties, but our one. They all want to come and rock up and have a beer with you and talk rugby. I was like, I should have charged them for entry fee as well. You know, we do a, an after-dinner speech or something. I should have charged some of the dads to come in and have a beer with me. But um, that's good fun. Good good weekend. Monday morning, Monday afternoon, I am fucked. Jim, how's the new business venture? More than brawl? Well, thank you, Andy Rowe, for asking. I think there's a few people out there, apart from the ones that have already signed up, and a big thank you to them. But firstly, I think there's a few people out there that think I'm taking the pish. And a few people stop me in the street and say, this Moreland Brawl, legit or not? It is legit. So I probably undersold myself. Not just myself, the bloody business last week. So the soft launch went out last week. And I don't think the fact that I sold the smell of honey and tobacco <laughs> of Andy Good has penetrated the skin follicles of the airways, even if that is a thing. So... We're fully loaded and ready to go. And when I say loaded, we've got the website up, moreandbrawl.com. We're taking pre-orders to begin with, and it is the real deal. So we're going to be doing a shower gel, a moisturizer, and a beard oil. And one thing I did say last week, which is legit, men or women. Some women have beards, some have mustaches, some don't, but you can use it. But now it sounds like you're taking the piss again, Jim. You got it. This is a proper launch. You've got to give the people the proper product. This is not a piss take. People don't really take you seriously, Jim. Well, it's for men that maul. Well, you take it seriously. Put a pre-order in. We're not just taking your money just for the sake of it. But I'm going to give the people who have taken it seriously a little bit of a shout out. And there's been 5,000. <laughs> there's been 5,000. So I'm going to give the five a shout out. There's been a few, actually. There's been a few that have signed up. Big shout out to my good mate, Craig Watson, who does the photography at the rugby. I know he's signed up because he sent me a screenshot of it. And I said, how was... The sign-up and all that was easy enough to pre-order, and he was like, it was seamless. You know, he didn't need paying for me to say that about him, like as in that suggest. So it's a seamless sign-up. But a couple of shout-outs we've got for their loyalty. We've got Andy, Harry, Donald, Scott, Ed, who are absolute legends. They were the first to sign up, and it is a real thing. And if we do get to a certain number, we're going to have a launch party, Maul and Brawl launch party, which is, ba well, you can imagine what we're going to be doing. We're going to be mauling and brawling naked in a room somewhere. So <laughs> smothered in beard oil. But 
please sign up moorlandbrawl.com and support local. And it is legit, like packaging. We're going down the route now of sustainability and all that jazz because it's important to me. And the smell will be honey and tobacco. Not because you're going to smell like Goody, but more because that is the smell that I've tried and tested. I've gone through the process and I'm not underselling myself again. It's been in the making for the last few months and I'm passionate about it. And I do appreciate everyone's support that signed up already and for the millions of you that are going to sign up as well. And since now we know it's legit, where can people actually sign up? You can pre-order on moorlandbrawl.com. And I should say as well that we're hoping to do collaborations with premiership clubs, URC clubs, local rugby clubs as well. People who want to stock it in their shops, if you've got a shop, or if you don't, if your mate's got a shop, maybe mention Moreland Brawl and they want to stock it as well. So give us a shout on the Rugby Pod channels and my team. God, I sound so bloody regal. My team will get in contact and we can see how we can work together. We're going to try and keep things positive, but we need to cover it, don't we? The uh, not unexpected news about Worcester. Is that them relegated to the championship for sure now? Or do you think there might be an appeal? Yeah, I think there's loads of water to still go under the bridge in terms of this. And as an ex-Worcester player and someone that spent three years at the club, had a good relationship with the fans, you know, you desperately hope that a solution can be found. So there's obviously a few consortiums that are interested. The administrators are talking to a couple of them. And there's a few issues around it. Obviously, the P shares with Premiership Rugby, which is where the value is at for a rugby club in terms of the distribution of income via the RFU and via BT Sport and rights holders. If that gets sold, the club will just fold effectively. So if they're not allowed to keep the P shares as part of a new takeover, then the, the value of the, the rugby club is unfortunately very minimal. Then the land will get sold off and, and the club would probably have to run off a, a very small budget with you know little grounds or whatever and find a new ground. And it will just be the absolute death of the rugby club, which... I'm sure people, you know, whether you're involved in the club, whether you're, you know, someone like Jim, I suppose, myself, I desperately don't want it to happen. And I'm sure everyone from outside would want to see Worcester pull through. So it's very sad news. Hopefully there's an appeal. Obviously there's loads of stuff been going on over the weekend around Wasps and, you know, we'll perhaps get into what Lawrence Dalio said. But um, from an ex-Worcester player, you desperately hope that things can happen where the club can be kept alive. There will be an appeal around relegation and that they can keep their P-shares uh, because that will mean the club has a future. And if they don't keep their P-shares, the club will certainly go by the wayside, I think. The big issue in this, and the listeners will be aware, but watching it unravel last week was the fact that they've lost all their good players now. So Duan van der Merwe has gone back to Edinburgh. We saw Ollie Lawrence turn out for Bath at the weekend. So that's the start now, isn't it, of the end of what has been an unbelievable legacy. So however it looks now for Worcester, whether they keep their P-shares, they lose their P-shares, which we don't want, like Goody said, but they're going to be unrecognisable and it's going to take a long, long time for them to build up to where they want to go. So hopefully they do keep their P-shares, they go back to the championship, they rebuild because there is money and there's value in the asset for an investor to come in. Proud club, brilliant mini and junior section, but it's a bleak time. If we've stated honestly, it's a bleak time. We had Ollie Lawrence on here as well a couple of weeks ago. And you could see how much it meant to him. And now he's at a rival club at Bath. I mean, I don't think in a million years could he picture himself. I even found it weird seeing him wear a Bath jersey. So it is what it is. And hopefully they find a way through. It's a big week for Wasps as well, isn't it, Goody? And you mentioned Delalio's comments. He's been copying it on social media. Was he insinuating that they should be treated differently because of their profile than Worcester? There's a few defining differences between the two situations and I think what Lawrence has gone down listen Lawrence is on the board of directors at Wasps Rugby Club so he's going to go into bat for that club that's his history that's he was a one club man there it's a delicate situation a few of Lawrence's words were perhaps taken in a way that was considered a little insensitive to Worcester Lawrence is going to bat for Wasps um, and he looks at the situation and I think the facts of the matter are around Wasps what Lawrence is trying to say is there's five businesses overall involved with Wasps and obviously the stadium, the rugby club, uh, obviously a few of the parts of that where it's all to do with getting people into the stadium as a business for various different events. Park the rugby, the rugby is completely separate. And so 
what Lawrence is saying is around a lot of the, because of the COVID pandemic, a lot of the other parts of the business haven't been functioning, which is why they're overall now in a position where they're looking at going into administration. So he was trying to say it's affected by the COVID pandemic, whereas I think he was kind of insinuating, and we've all insinuated a little bit, that Worcester's situation, their demise is down to shocking mismanagement by the two owners. Obviously, COVID's paid its part in that. And what he's trying to do is fight for his club, right? And I completely understand it from Lawrence's point of view. I completely understand it from another fan's point of view that's saying what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So if that's what's happened to Worcester... Hang on, which is what? The moose is good for the the clack, the what? The goose and the gander, mate. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Okay, I'll just call it moose and meander. (laughs) So effectively, people are thinking that he's trying to insinuate that Worcester is a completely different situation. They're relegated. They don't really matter in the Premiership. But because of Wasps' history and the brand and all this stuff, it, it should matter more. Well, you know, I disagree with Lawrence in that sense. I play for both clubs and I think and hope that both clubs can find a solution where we can see them uh, moving forward with their P shares, you know, playing in the premiership. If one of them or both of them get relegated, you'd hope that one of them could come back up or both of them could come back up. There's so much water to go under the bridge until that point. But for me, it was seen as insensitive by Worcester fans and other fans around the, the league that are just thinking that he's got this platform just to protect Wasps and push Wasps' side of the story, which I'm not sure whether anyone else would, with, with the, the connections that he's got to the club, would do the same thing. I'm, I think they probably would. So I, I don't think he was me- necessarily meant to disrespect Worcester. He was just fighting as much as he could for Wasps in getting his opinion across on, on what is known as a big platform. So we shall see where it comes to, and hopefully there is a fix because there's a few buyers out there. I did hear one rumour. Mike Ashley was involved in trying to take over the whole business, but wanted the football club as well, which doesn't come with it. So uh, he's now pulled out. But thank God for that, because you wouldn't want Mike Ashley involved in rugby, especially as we've seen Colin Brownring, Goldring, and Jason Whittingham, the t- two Cowboys at Worcester, get involved. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a number of different options, but time's of the essence. And I think this week is pivotal in terms of administration, whether the club goes into administration and then what happens next because, um, yeah, it's pretty damning at the club at the minute, unfortunately. With everything you've seen in the media around Delalio, do you think he's bothered with his history in the media in the grand scheme of things? Do you think this is at all even scratched the surface of him being, am I bothered? Um, that's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, he's he came out, I think, on Rugby Tonight and I haven't seen it, but I heard on Rugby Tonight he kind of made a bit of an apology around the interpretation of what he was trying to say. So he's backtracked a little bit, but no, I don't think he's bothered. I think he just cares massively about Wasps, as many people do. And you hope that the club, and I hope Worcester as well, can find a solution and uh, you know have a, a, a big future in the game. Yeah, and I actually like the fact that Lawrence speaks the way that he does. There's nothing wrong at all. And there seems to be a problem in this day and age, doesn't it? If you're passionate about something or you like something, whether or not it's left or right or red or blue, whatever, like you you can't have an opinion. Pink or brown? I would go pink. Is I like pink. I'm edgy. I do like that colour. And the Big Jim Show logo is a bit pinky and salmony, so I'll go down that route. But yeah, so I like the fact that Lawrence is like that. He's a wasp man through and through. And then lastly, on the Mike Ashley thing, I am glad, and I'm not a big Wasp fan, but they're in Coventry, so maybe there's a little bit subconsciously that is. But imagine Mike Ashley taking over, all the lads are getting given sport and soccer boots, and literally, <laughs> as soon as they hit the pitch, the feet are falling through, like they're splitting in half. Sport and soccer T-shirts, they literally get tackled once. Next thing, their bus start bollock naked on the pitch because it all falls off. I mean, they are a disgrace of a company. I think they own Evan Cycles as well. Don't you mean Sports Direct, Jim? Yeah, they were Sport and Soccer back in the day. Bet used to work there. <laughs> Did she? Yeah, yeah. Salt the earth, didn't you? Three boots? Yeah, but as I said, my toes rang out, out the back of them. That's how bad they were. My toes rang out the back. <laughs> Let's look at some positive news in rugby. The state of the game looks very healthy down under at the moment with the Rugby World Cup going on in New Zealand. Big crowds. Have you guys watched any of it? I watched the Scotland game. Scotland-Wales game. Yes, I am. It's a hard one because when I watched the game and I watched the refereeing, the refereeing weren't great. Basically, we got robbed. It's what I'm saying. We got robbed. Don't blame the ref. Yeah, but I feel bad saying that because it's the easy thing to go to and bring it up. But I didn't think the refereeing was that good and we got robbed. You can't blame the ref when you've missed five kicks at goal. That is why. Yeah. So if we're saying it frankly, it went right down to the wire. We, I'm going to say we, we scored a try at the depth, could have kicked it to win it, but we didn't, and then Wales came back with a pen and won it. So fair play, and it doesn't look easy for the Scots, but I was proud of the women. And Emma Wassell, big shout out to her as well. She's been on the podcast before, so we like her. 
Good. England are looking pretty strong, aren't they, mate? Yeah, they are. And they were tested in that first half against Fiji, to be fair. I don't want to talk about the World Cup in a, in a way that it's going to basically... It's, it, well, it is. It's going to basically come down to England, France or New Zealand. And that's not putting any other team into a, a part that they're, they're not you know, important in the World Cup because they are and the growth of the game is huge. But like this weekend, England play France and ultimately winner of that has an easier passageway to what would be considered the eventual final against New Zealand. And we shall see. So yeah, massive game this weekend. England are favourites. We haven't lost in 26, but we're in New Zealand. So it's always tough win out there. Let's take a look at the Premiership now. Then five games in the Premiership and five away wins. Which one was the most impressive for you guys? Most controversial. Oh, yes, James. Go on. Yeah, I'd say the Northampton Wasps. Really? Yeah, I know. And I I am trying to work out how I contextualise Umanga's red card. What's the controversy? Well, just the the way the game unfolded, really. Just the red card. It's a red. Yeah, yeah. I I watched that. And as soon as it happened, I was like, poor fucker. That's what I thought. You feel for him? Yeah, you do feel. I don't know how you pull out of that. But I mean, naturally going down to 14 men, the swinging momentum in the game, was winning comfortably, really, in that first half. Uh, Dan Bigger goes off injured. You're thinking, oh, there's no chance Northampton can come, come back. You just see the red card to a man and you're like, really? First on that, I felt bad. So there's a couple of things on that. I can't believe they let him walk off, sucking on the oxygen. He should have been stretched off. Like that was a nasty, nasty collision. So that's the yeah. first thing. And I don't know what he's meant to do. And you could say it changed the game. And it's huge for Wasps, really, in the context of it to lose that. Yeah, well, first and foremost, you hope he's okay. I'd say the reason he walked off, probably he wanted to, and as opposed to being forced to be stretched off. But sucking on gas and air is, isn't a good sight, is it? But the reality of it is, and I'm a, you know, obviously I wanted Wasps to win. You know, I've been involved with the club for a few years, but it's a definite red card because he's out of position in terms of when the kick goes across. So he's always trying to make it up. But then because Skozan owns the space and has caught the ball, it's one of those things, right? If you're not going to make it, you've got to pull out. And he's going across and he he probably knows he's not going to make it. And it's a tough one because he's making every effort to get there. But when you know the ball's beaten, you've just got to somehow pull out. So Mm. it's very unfortunate. It is a red card. And the reality of it is, yes, it changed the game, but Wasps had it themselves. So with three minutes to go, they're, they're winning comfortably and... Out of nowhere, Saints pulled two tries going the length of the field, pretty much. And the disappointing thing, I think, was Wasp kicked the penalty to go 36-26 up with four minutes to go. And you're thinking, game over. Uh, but Lee Blackett said it after the game. You dropped the kickoff, Jim Hamilton style. I did, he didn't add in the Jim Hamilton style. But I, there was a few kickoffs that went missing. It weren't just that one. I mean, not on me. No, on me. Hey, not about me. I tell you now, I'm watching the kickoffs come in. And poor McDonald, the Scotsman, they are, I'm like, they ain't easy to take. They, and Northampton were all over them, weren't they? They were. And I think that's the frustration. You catch that kickoff, you can then eke out 30 seconds a minute, and then effectively Saints were only trying to play then to to get the losing bonus point as well as the fourth try. So he was raging after the game, Lee Blackett. And then obviously, once they got that try, they then busted them open from the kickoff in a very similar way that they did earlier in the game. And, you know, you're then down to 14 men. There was boys trying to fix things all over the shop in terms of flying out the line to make hits when you're down to 14. And that's how they found an edge. I don't want to say that last pass was forward to Skozan, but it travelled forwards, but the hands were going backwards. But Wasps, it was an unbelievable game. I said it last week. What is it about the Sunday game at the minute? Every Sunday game has had a grandstand finish this season in the Premiership, round by round by round. The Quinns game against Exeter a few weeks back, the Leicester game against Exeter, the Quinn Saints game last Sunday as well was an absolute belter. And then Saints going down to Wasps this weekend. Ridiculous game. Wasps played very well. Jack Willis, ridiculous. Like, how good is he? Well, to keep putting his body in the way of the jackal when he's been through horrendous injuries. Yeah, for me, I'm going to say it again. I say world-class about a lot of players. World-class. Looking at the news that Dan Bigger is leaving Saints, where do you think he's going to be going? Back to Wales? To France? Or Japan? Or Japan? Possibly. Post market, and this is the thing now clubs are they're realizing they've overspent and they're looking now where can they save a boatload of cash? Now, mm. obviously, Dan Bigger's been a wonderful player for that club, they've looked at it gone. He's coming towards the end of his career, in he's probably got three or four years left. He's away with Wales a lot. There's a World Cup coming up next year, we're not going to see him at all. So, the right decision is for the club purely on a an investment 
and what your return sort of situation, how much you're going to get him? Because not only is the World Cup next year, there's also a Six Nations where he'd possibly be away with Wales. How much are you going to get him and how much you've got to pay him to keep him? So we're seeing this a lot in the Prem now. Clubs are cutting their cloth accordingly. You know, obviously, Max Malins is leaving Saracens to go to Bristol. Charles Piertau is leaving Bristol. You know, there's a million quid free there, isn't there, in terms of what he's reportedly on. So he's a heart-on-the-sleeve player, isn't he? So he wants to play. And I, I saw his comments when they announced that he was leaving, that he wished he could have played more, but he was away with Wales. But he's played a hell of a lot. So he used to come back in between Six Nations games and just absolutely go 100% for his club. Brilliant signing, brilliant guy. You hope someone somewhere puts a big offer in front of him because he thoroughly deserves it. Bristol had Genj and Piotr back at Ashton Gate, but they were pumped 50-14 by Exeter. Jim, were you talking them up a little bit too soon as top four contenders? Or I didn't put them in the top four, Andy Rowe. Uh, I think you did. A couple of weeks ago, I think you might have, yeah. Well, I, yeah, but that was a couple of weeks ago, but not the very start where we put our houses on it. I actually don't know. I can't I can't remember. Absolutely. I, I know I didn't put them in the top four because I put Sale in the top four, Andrew. They were my fourth team. I said Bristol will be better this year. And they have done. I mean, oh, I don't know. One thing is for sure, Exeter are a lot better. So based on that yeah. performance alone, like Exeter, Woodburn is on fire. Absolute fire. So they look very good. They're, they're much better. I don't know what it is with Bristol's. I mean, Genji gets a yellow card. One might say should have been a red card. And then off the back of that, the momentum steamrolled. No Stephen Luatua. How important is he? Losing Atwood in the second row. Back to Bath. Got hammered by Newcastle the week before. And when you look at Bristol, all I'm seeing is errors and discipline. That's it. That's what I'm seeing. I'm just seeing loads of errors, which they had last season. And the season before, when they were wonderful, they didn't have that. They were just a... And they. I was going to say they were a confidence-based team, but I think it clearly outlines that they are. It's all about confidence. And we loved them week one, didn't we? Genji, the return of him, back to Bristol's, where they beat Bath the local derby again, and we thought the energy was back around the club. I don't know. The signing of Max Malins, is he going to make a difference? Well, an extra back three. They've got world-class back three players in their ranks already. I don't know, just loads of errors and discipline, really. Yeah, I think the big thing on it is they start this season, everyone's talking them up because they beat Bath. Let's not forget, Bath haven't won a game this season yet, and they won with the last play of the game, didn't they, uh, against Bath. Then they've gone to Wasps, who uh, you know they hadn't won there in... 20 odd years or whatever it was and they beat Wasps but Wasps you know are in a bit of strife themselves at the minute they've beat London Irish at home then they've lost to Newcastle away so they've not had a tough run of fixtures really Bristol and then they play a proper top team in Exeter who have got the bit between their teeth because they were so bad last season and you're taking 50 now we talked up Ellis Genge I've got to go on here and say it we talked up how good he is and how good he has been in the games that he's played this year in terms of the passion in terms of what he brings his leadership Everything that's been great about him at the start of the season, it was the opposite on Friday night. So he got Simbin, as Jim said, could have been a red. I think yellow was the right call for that sort of shoulder to the head in a clear out. He's chops in the ref. He's got marched back 10 metres three times, I think, in the game. His mate, Carl Sinclair, as well, his head doesn't look, look like it's in on switched on for, for Bristol either. So again, I think Genji's performance at the weekend, while we've praised him ridiculously well, and rightly so for how he's played at the start of the season, you've also got to call him up as well when he hasn't performed and you know the discipline issue when he's walking back with his hands in the air as if to say oh it shouldn't have been a penalty against me and then you're getting 10 meters marched again I think Pat Lamb would be fuming with that but Jim's right the errors and the discipline is what is what's cost them and it obviously shows as well for how important Genji is to Bristol like that shows you I think I think they've got him for everything that's good about him and it's undeniable how good he is but it's in him isn't it he's got the the monkey on his shoulder, I'm sure. I know I know it is, and how it feels. But yeah, it was a tough loss for them, but Exeter, my goodness me. Ollie Woodburn, ridiculous, ridiculously good. Yeah, and they were back to their best. Their power game was good again, wasn't it? You know, Luke Karansicki's come off the bench. Yeah, when you got him on the bench. Looks big as well. Yeah, he does. And obviously with Jamie George's injury now, uh, you'd expect Luke Karansicki to start for England. But they'd look really good. They looked like the, the extra of old, didn't they? Jack Noel was all over the place making breaks and busting tackles. They looked hungry again. And I watched Stuart Hogg's interview before the game just around how poor they were last year and they pressed the reset button. They realised, I think they were, and it was a big shock to them last year, the fact they didn't get to a, a semi-final or a final. So they've certainly sharpened their minds over the summer and um, yeah, they look sharp. Jim, you sounded surprised that Max Malins has signed to go back up to Bristol. No, I'm not. I'm not surprised because he was there on loan. I'm surprised... I, no, I'm not. I'm not surprised. 
I'll tell you why he's surprised. He's surprised that they're abiding by the salary cap. That's what it is. What are you on about Saracens, Jim? I think with Pietau going, that million pound, alleged million pound salary, Bristol's realised they need to sign more players. They need more strength and depth. I don't necessarily think that Max Malins will fill that void because I've just mentioned you've got Pietau, who's had a few injuries of late. You've got Max Mellings, another world-class player, let's say it. But they need more strength and depth. So that million pound, I think, frees up the wider pool of players that they can potentially sign for, I don't know, in the second row, for example. If Lua Tua, depends how he comes back, if he ends up playing on the back row or whatever. I mean, Ben is the one that they'll want as well. They'll want him back at seven. I don't think they'll get him. But Max Mellings, quality player. I just think that there could be a few things circulating. I know Freddie Stewart signed at... Leicester again. How long is that after the World Cup? Could he be at Saracens? I'm just asking the question. <laughs> no, James. He signed a long-term deal with Leicester. Two-year deal, I think. Are you, You're surprised then that players are leaving Saracens? No, because there's a salary cap now that needs to abide it to, Andrew. We know that rules are rules and laws are laws and there was question marks over them breaking the salary cap or whether it was just uh, interpretation. But There wasn't question marks, mate. There was not question marks. <laughs> Max Malins now is a three, four hundred grand player. So when Saracens have brought him through and he was on five grand, ten grand, hundred grand, you can't keep going north, can you? And especially with how well Elliot Daly's playing at the minute, he is on fire, fire. Good win for the map in Newcastle, wasn't it? Very good win. And the scoreline didn't really reflect the game. And producer Rob is a Newcastle fan. We don't talk about producer Tristan because he's a Quinns fan. Producer Rob, he ain't happy though. Newcastle, that's his team. And he ain't happy. I don't know what he expected, but I think it was, what was it? Was it 31-0 or 34-0 or something like that? And then Mako gets red-carded. What the hell is he doing? I mean, come on, he didn't want to be there. Don't quote me on this, but when I was at Sarri's, I never saw Mako, I never saw Billy, I never saw George Cruz, I never saw Owen, I never saw any of the bigwigs playing against Newcastle away. I don't want to speak for him. He don't really speak to me much these days. He didn't want to be there, did he? He's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Red card. <laughs> I'm done. Well, I mean, you laugh about it. it. It was ridiculous what he did. Well, I don't know why he's done it. That's what I mean. Like, if you don't laugh at like, as in, what's he doing? Like, he, a player of his quality and experience. Uh, the knock-on effect of that, to him, which will probably hit him hardest, is not only is he going to miss a few Saracens games, but with a shoulder to the head like that, you're talking a six-week ban, I reckon. It might affect his selection for the November internationals, which obviously financially will hit him. But it was ridiculous. Ludicrous clear out. And then, for people not watching, Faz ain't used to going up to Newcastle either, as Jim said. Have a look what Faz does when it all kicks off. He flies in and nearly shoulders someone on the head as well. Obviously trying to protect his teammate, because a few of the lads weren't happy with what Mako did. But just watch the actions of Owen Farrell. But on Newcastle, right, and I think we spoke about, well, we spoke about the salary cap loads, haven't we? We spoke about the money in the game loads and the level of teams having to spend up to the salary cap, the pressure. There ain't a chance. I'm looking at the profile of that Newcastle team. There ain't a chance now they're spending five point whatever million on the salary cap. No disrespect. They're not, and they admit it as well. Well, there you go. So it's out there in the public domain then. Andy Gouda said it. So... I don't know what my point is, apart from what do you expect is what I'm trying to say. You've got Saracens on paper. They go full noise. I thought Elliot Daly was sensational again. He, he is, I mean, the kick through, the quick hands, ball at the line. Four try assists he had. There you go. I mean, the one saving grace for Newcastle has always been Adam Radwan, man. But Mateo Carreras looks sick. He's got silly feet. He scored a wonder try last week to get the bonus point for Newcastle against Bristol's. But um, scored another worldie this weekend, so... Class player, but yeah, you, it was the big boys against a team that know what they're spending. They cut their cloth accordingly. And I'll tell you what, the Newcastle boys had a team social last Saturday. I think the knock-on effect is you're playing Saracens the week after and you're still absolutely fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sale are living up to your top four predictions, aren't they, Jim? Ridiculous. I mean, physical. You look at the profile of their team, and I've written some names down in the black book who are back for the people that didn't see the game. You've got Tom Curry. You've got Manu Tuolangi playing the centre who looks as good as he's ever looked. John O'Ross. You've got Johnny Hill who's playing in the second row. The Dupree brothers, as we know, spoke about them lows at left. Rafi Quirk. Goody can maybe touch on him, how good he was when he came on as well. You've got a backbone of players. And I do wonder, no one's told me this, I do wonder whether there was a bit of unsettledness at sale last year. And what? Unsettledness. Unsettledness. At sale with some of the players that were there that aren't there now. What are you saying about Luke Diaga and Fafta Clerk that they weren't part of the club? And you, what, what are you saying that, Jim? 
I'm just asking questions because I love Alex Anderson and he hasn't told me anything, nor will he tell me anything. But It sounds like he has. He hasn't, I promise you. He, he won't speak to me about stuff like that. But they're playing in a way in which they are joined. They look like they're all loving it. They look strong, cultured, defensively. All the things that you expect under Alex Anderson is what you're seeing out on the pitch now. And I probably over-talked them up last season, maybe wanting them to do well because Alex Anderson's there and I'm a huge fan of him. But... I think everything you wanted Sale to be under him with the South African influence, with the English influence that they've got, with Manu going there, being fit, it is actually a snapshot of your dream team. Two players I'll pull out. Obviously, defence was amazing for the club across the board at the game. They, you know, They were working for each other, as Jim said. But have a little look, if you get a chance, at uh, the try that Rob the Prier scores just before half-time. Gus War, scrum half. It's the two scrum halves that were making the difference for him at the weekend and Leicester went with Richard Wigglesworth starting at 49 years of age and then had Jack Van Portfleet on the bench who's the current England nine. Gus War, the little ball between his legs from the base of a scrum to put Rob Dupree up on the short side was just out of this world. I don't think enough's been made of it because it was the best bit of skill I've seen in the Prem this year. A pass through the legs from the base of the scrum to create a two and one on the edge. Absolutely brilliant just before half time. That's when I think at the time Leicester was 16-5 up. And I'm like, this, fuck, this is comfy, lads. We're another win. Happy days. The Andy Good Suite's absolutely rammed and the place is bouncing. But that bit of skill there. And then Rafi Quirk comes on and he was, it's his first game back for, I think it's about nine months. We had him on the podcast, obviously. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, he is. He's been out to Australia, spent a little bit of time out there. They're giving him the freedom to go and recover properly and do a bit of traveling while you're doing it because you're going to be a hell of a player for us for a long, long time. So they've looked after him, the club have in that sense. He's come back. Game one, he has repaid them in spades, effectively. The short break up the snipe up the blind side to create the try. He was on fire. Sale deserved the victory. And between Gus War's bit of skill and Rafi Quirk's impact off the bench and their defence, it was absolute class by them. How did Bath not beat Gloucester? 67% possession, 68% territory. It doesn't matter though, does it? It doesn't matter. You know, we had 84% possession against Ireland one year and we still lost. We, we being who? Scotland. Oh, okay. I think it was 75%, but we just ran it up to 84 because that's a good number. Line out drive to the cow sheds and back. All you need. And it was ridiculously good as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So you got that and you've got Mark Atkinson, who I'm very happy for because that game against the Barbarians was a shit show, not just for him, but the whole team playing for England. I felt for him there. You could, I don't know what England were doing. Anyway, the old news. So I just hope that that wasn't his... One opportunity for England. I hope he gets another one. I think the way that he played at the weekend. I would love to see him and Manu, 12 and 13. Yeah, I mean, the annoying thing for him is he limped off injured, didn't he? And it looked pretty serious. Oh, he did, yeah. Yeah, the way he was he was kind of helped off the field. So you hope that's not too bad. But yeah, he was class. He's, I've always, when I played against Aki and when I've watched him as a 12, I can't see how he's not had any real game time in an England jersey because of his skill set is ridiculous. The size of him. He's like an international 12, isn't he? Yeah, he is. But because of the issue where we've had Ford and Farrell and Farrell's dominated the 12 jersey, and now I'm saying, and I'll say it openly on here, I think Farrell should start for England at 10 in November and stick Marcus Smith on the bench. I don't think Marcus is playing as well as he can yet. And Farrell's on fire at 10. We've got Manu back. Maybe Aki or Northmore or someone else in the centres, Henry Slade. But yeah, Aki, was, he's ridiculously good for them. Just hope his injury's not too bad. Let's take a look at the URC now then. Jim, what happened to Edinburgh? No commentator, James. That was the problem. Well, you could say that. Barkley was doing it and he's still good. So, is he as good? Uh, some might say. He's posh, isn't he? So, yeah, it depends where you're from. But if you're from Edinburgh, where they're all posh, then yes. You're right. Didn't see it coming. We've spoken about the Stormers loads on here. We've spoken about the Bulls who won the URC last year, so we thought. And we have never, I don't think we've ever mentioned the Emirate Lions. We've got to. Physical young and very impressive against Edinburgh. Edinburgh were full noise at the weekend. Hamish Watson got absolutely banjoed in the tackle by his opposite number. Ruin Venter, it's gone viral on social media, 19 years old. They've got a centre, Enko Van Wink, 21 years old. What a name. Van Wink, he will wink at you. But I'm telling you now, if you wink at him back, he is once your eyes are closed during that wink, he is letting go of the ball, picking it up and charging through to the line, mate. So don't wink at Van Wink, otherwise you'll get winked. Yeah, and playing on names, Jim, another great name who scored a try, Frank Horn. 
I'm horny, 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 <laughs> horny, 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 horny. Uh, very good, very impressive. Edinburgh didn't play that well. They're trying this wide-to-wide game, and the Lions were coming up in defence, extremely physical. I mentioned Ruin Venter there at number seven. Have a look at this, lad. You talk about strength and depth coming through. I'll reiterate, we've never spoken about the Emirates Lions on here, and I watched that game, and I'm looking at the physicality, and I'm like, my goodness me, not many teams go to Edinburgh, and I wouldn't say they dominated. I'd say that Edinburgh fell off a few tackles. They probably thought, I'm not speaking for them, that it was a game they would have targeted and said, we could win that game at home. We'd go well against the South African teams. We've spoken about them on the road, albeit not winning in South Africa, but putting in bloody good performances. Frightening is what I'm going to say about these South African teams now and the profile of them. And that's a huge win for the Lions and a big shout out to them. And Ruin Venter, number seven, watch this space. Bit of pressure going on Graham Roundtree now. Munster, another lost. What do you mean it's still Van Graham's fault because he was there and he hasn't won a game at Bath either? Why are you saying that, Jim? Oh, I, well, I can't put my finger on it. So I've watched bits of their games and I thought, well, I can't judge too much on it because I'm not deep-rooted enough. Like, we know we're deep-rooted to some teams. So I wanted to give Munster the full, not the kind of full pencil over their hairbrush. You know, what I wanted to do was give them... <laughs> Give them the full pencil over their hairbrush. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't even know where you're going with that. I, w- I want to give them an opportunity in terms of and speak about them in the right tone. So I, I watched Alan. What I'm trying to say is, I watched Alan Quinlan, former Munster great, talk about them and thought, right, if I, if I, I can't give you the answer, and Wigsville is going to be listening to this, then maybe someone like Alan Quinlan can. Please don't call him Wigsville. It's Graham O'Rountree now. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Well, is it no, no? Because he did well for Georgia, and not that he's not doing well for. But when he starts, when they win the European Cup, why are you being horrible? No, Jim. but he will do soon. He's going to come good, and he will be Graham O'Rountree. But at the minute, he's still Wigsville, in my opinion. All right, until they get rid of the Van Graham era and they get their ten players back from the Emerging Ireland team, which should never have happened. It's probably one of the most pointless tournaments that people don't even know is happening. So Alan Quinlan, he gave us a snapshot. Poor discipline, poor lineup. Lost a few scrums at the weekend, which is part and parcel of what we know of Wigsville's foundations that they're not delivering. But when I watched the game, Connett were very good. Matt Hansen yes. scores a great try in the corner. The game went right down to the wire. Yeah, Jack Cartier at 10 was good as well. That seed over to Matt Hampson. To be fair to Munster, right? You probably People don't pay Connacht the, re- the respect that perhaps they deserve. Winning at the sports ground is a tough place to go, right? And when you're looking at it and Munster go there, obviously there's a bit of local rivalry. They're going to raise their game. So the Munster team was stacked there. You talk about 10 players missing. They had Conor Murray. They had Malachi Fekater. They had Peter O'Mahony. They had Gavin Coombs. They had... Jack O'Donoghue in the back rows. They were strong. Tyg Byrne played. Quinlan saying, I'm not saying that. Quinlan saying it. That, I'm putting it back on him. Yeah, okay. Well, you're right. That Irish tour, Emerging Ireland tour to South Africa was redonkulous. But credit to Connacht. Imagine your wingers are called Mac Hansen and John Porch. i got a Porch at home. It's a great room. Imagine the headline when he's out injured and he comes back. Return of the Mac. Oh, I was talking about Porch, but yeah, there you go. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to work Return it out. Return of the Mac. <laughs> Return of the porch. <laughs> Leinster, they were on fire to beat the Sharks 54-34 at the RDS, weren't they? Yeah, they were. And I'm just going to say, you talk about a ridiculous signing. You sent a partnership. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. When you're full bore is Robbie Henshaw and Gary Ringpiece-Rose. But, oh no, you get greedy, Leinster. You sign Charlie Nighty, and he is absolutely redonkulous as well. Sexton was back. Of course he was. Home game. He's definitely playing just the home games. He's copying a bit of flack in the media about chatting to the ref. Yeah, he was chatting to the ref about when Ryan Baird got taken out in the air and he was obviously wanting them to look at it properly and probably dish out a red card. But to be fair, I just thought that was a rugby incident because Ryan Baird was going for the ball. The other guy was going for the ball. Neither of them got the ball and they both ended up on their backs. So yeah, he's got a bit of stick for that. But that's Johnny Sexton, the ultimate competitor. What I want to talk about is the Leinster handling because my goodness me, it was absolutely ridiculous. The lines they were taking, the ball at the line, pulling it out the back, the shapes that they were putting on an attack were just ridiculous. I'm watching the game. I'm watching some of the moves and the play and the interaction between forwards and backs. It looked like you're watching it on fast forward at times. It was so quick, so sharp. It was brilliant. So Leinster, uh, just give them the European Cup now because they're definitely going to win it. You reckon? Oh, mate, they look so good, honestly. Mm. Uh, and yeah, they, they conceded a few tries and the Sharks were decent in patches. They haven't obviously got all their South Africans playing yet, but 
yeah, the Leinster attack and that island attack, the way when it works, it works bloody well. And you just greedy. You're having Charlie and I time when you got Henshaw and Ringrose and all the stars you got there, Leinster. You're, you're a proper outfit. So um, they're going to be hard to beat Leinster this year in every competition again. The Storm has kept their 100% start to the season alive with a 37-20 win over Zebra. Going pretty well, aren't they? They are. And actually, when you look at the scoreline, some people might say the Stormers should be winning that more comfortably. But the Italian teams are a lot better. Zebra, to be fair, have played some wicked stuff at the start of the season. But the Stormers, with the power that they've got, the physicality, regardless who's in their ranks. But yeah, I don't think it's an embarrassing scoreline for Zebra, which some might have worried that it would have been. But the Stormers look very good. Big fan of the Stormers. John Dobson, big shout out to you, mate. I know you're listening. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Well, we can have a chat now to one of the stars of that win for the Stormers and a man who's won just about every award going in the URC over the past year or so. Stormers and Springbok back row, Ivan Roos joins us. How are you, mate? How's it, guys? Uh, happy to be on. I was so surprised when I saw the message from you guys. So flipping, really excited about it. Yeah, it's class to have you on. Is that because your coach, John Dobson, he's a super fan of the show. Like He said this has been his guilty pleasure for years. Has he given you an idea and a flavour of what this is? No, I just asked him this morning quickly before team meeting if it's fine, I can use the team room. Because the Wi-Fi is a bit shocking in my room. And then he said, yeah, sure. But he didn't ask about podcasts. So I'm going to surprise him afterwards. It'll be all over you. He will be. He's a great man, isn't he? Well, let's talk about him quickly then, because obviously he's your head coach. Uh, he came on our podcast last year, and we'll, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of you in a bit. But what a bloke, eh? He loves a beer as well, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, yeah, he mixes it up well. People always ask me about it, and I kind of say, like, brings the kind of, you know, like normal old club rugby into the kind of the professional game. You can say what you want, but I feel you get to know someone better over a beer just to cool down a bit and take the edge off things. And he incorporated while we train hard and do all those things that are needed. But yeah, when it's time for social, he always uh, goes out of his way and puts an extra effort and makes touring especially fun for the boys. So yeah, we really appreciate that about him. Yeah, and how is the touring aspect to being in the URC? Because I think people might forget how much there is involved and you would have been used to it before. Well, maybe not you personally, but in super rugby, but it's very different to anything, I suppose, culturally that you would have been used to? Yeah, we actually in, in Parva and Italy now and it's the weirdest place ever. <laughs> I don't understand a word. <laughs> People always go on about the food in Italy. Like the restaurants and stuff are nice, but this, yeah, the hotel food is, yeah, I don't know how to, <laughs> it's not so great. Like they charged me, I asked for a glass of milk for a protein shake and they charged me three euro. I couldn't believe it. That's about 50 rand in South Africa. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting place, uh, uh, Italy, but like we're going to Cardiff next week. Oh, Swansea then caught up, and that's quite a lacquer terrain place. Sorry, Afrikaans, but that's a, it's quite a fun terrain place, especially caught up. So, um, yeah, we're excited for that. Well, mate, if you think uh, Palmer's a bit weird, I'm sure, listen, when you get to Cardiff, Cardiff's a great place, but Swansea, just get yourself down Mumbles. That's the best place there, not uh, not not the place itself, Swansea. But it'd be interesting <laughs> to see. Obviously, enjoying touring, and we know John Dobson loves a beer over the tours. You started well with a victory over Zebra at the weekend. A uh, few beers after the game as well. Yeah, we actually had this cool thing that we um, had, it, had it with Zebra afterwards, but it was this rugby club, I think it's Rugby Colono, or I might be totally wrong, but it's this uh, small rugby club that's got this nice clubhouse and beer garden and stuff, and we went there for pasta and 
a beer afterwards with the Zebra guys. There's about 11 South Africans, so it felt like we were actually playing a home derby. And um, But it was nice just, and my dad was actually, um, he was in Switzerland for the week. And then he finished up on Friday and then he flew through to Milan and trained for Milan to Parma. And he could actually watch my game on Saturday and he joined us on the team bus afterwards, had a few beers with us and um, stuff. So that was actually quite a special special moment and day for me. Because I always tell my dad about all the things we do, the bus rides and touring and stuff, but he could actually be with us. It was quite cool. So I don't have to tell him every time I see him again what we do because he kind of knows, knows what happened. It sounds like an awesome environment to be in. What about the URC as a whole in terms of what you make as a, as a young lad? Challenging? I mean, and I say that because I'm looking at your stats and looking at how well it went for you last year. How are you finding it? The URC, I, I enjoy it. It's obviously, I never got to experience Super Rugby. It's awesome playing against, like, obviously all these Northern Hemisphere teams with their stars, um, a lot of international. So you kind of, get to measure yourself against the best but the whole thing the, the way the final was done down there in Cape Town and stuff it was it's quite special and it was special to be part of the first one and actually winning the first one and I think and the people are kind of uh, getting onto it now people are very stuck in their ways about super rugby back in South Africa moaning about that we we how we left it and whatever but um this year all my especially all my, my mates they're a bunch of students even asking me for tickets and, and, and stuff because they just want to come watch and um, they enjoy it. And there's like this whole party stand at Cape Town Stadium where all uh, it's a bit cheaper and all the students sit there and stuff. So um, that's quite fun for me because most of my friends are students. So I see quite a few familiar faces in the stands. And um, yeah, so it, I think it only get better with time. And Jim talks about the URC as well. Obviously, Super Rugby's part and, and that's all history now. But You've got the Heineken Champions Cup to look forward to as well this season, which is an unbelievable competition that we've been privileged to win a few times. How much are you looking forward to playing in that and testing yourself against the best in France and England as well as the URC teams? That's yeah, that's gonna be massive. I've always like I've never thought of playing there this early. Like I always think when you maybe go overseas one day you'll get to like to a Premiership club or whatever playing the Heineken Cup and now being in the South African team, playing in the Heineken Cup. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. Like, I never thought it would have happened, but I'm happy it does. It's, you know, and then you kind of get to meet yourself against the Prem teams and the top 14 teams, just more world-class players. So, us the Stormers are, are excited. Um, it's going to be a massive squad effort, obviously, coming in with rotations and stuff, because I think it's 40-odd games this year, Heineken Cup and, and URC included and Curry Cup. So, it's going to be a long one, but obviously we're very excited. I mentioned in Springboks, made your debut. How has that been? I imagine a hugely proud moment, but as a young man being in that environment with these stars, just give us a snapshot of what that was like. No, it honestly felt like a dream come true, uh, but it, it still felt like a dream. It was quite weird for me, you know, getting the nod, you know, you, you're going to be starting on eight this week and stuff. And, it, you know, it, was, it didn't feel real until I climbed on the bus on the way to the game. And just seeing, because yeah, Bloemfontein is a very like Afrikaans, predominantly Afrikaans town. And seeing all these people with their prize and stuff parked next to next to the stadium, the kids running next to the bus, just excited for, for this game. And you always see it on TV, but you never think it will happen to you. Luckily, my family was in the stadium as well, because I'm, I'm quite tight with my family. And they call me down and when the nerves get too much and they were coincidentally there's uh, tickets were where we warmed up on the side we warmed up in the corner I warmed up so I knew they were there so they calmed me down and the game obviously we lost but I mean it it was yeah it was such a thrill the adrenaline pumped I got I was just off of heart uh, I got off half time they took me off at half time but I took like I think two scoops of pre at half time and like caffeine gum. So I was, I don't, I don't know, I was going off. So I was buzzing and then I was off after six minutes. And then I think Joseph, whoever sat next to me, I just, I chatted his ear for the rest of the minutes because I had so much adrenaline in me, I couldn't hold it in. And who are the players in that squad that you've looked up to? I mean, there are some superstars in that team, not just in South Africa, but globally. Who are the ones where you're like, right, yeah, he's a rock star? Yevon, Yevon, it's a bit really, if I ever need something, any help, any, like advice or whatever, he always he's always keen. Uh, Sia also always helpful. Asked me if I'm fine if I need anything. And um, Andre was captain that game, and he also sent me a message the night before the game, just told me that I'm there for a reason, and I just do what I do, and that's why they chose me. And um, they have my him and all the all the guys like Gibbon and stuff have my back, and I shouldn't stress about things. So 
Um, but the whole team, like Steven, obviously with me at the Storm, is also such a yeah great guy and always supports me and stuff. So yeah, but I, I can those are the names that come off uh, the top of my mind. You mentioned your family being there to calm you down before you get on the pitch. Is there anyone that's been designated to calm you down when you're on the pitch because you're getting a bit of a reputation there, Ivan? Not Abin. Abin's fueling the fire. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny one. Um, obviously, the season has got its new challenges. It looks like guys want to kind of get under my skin to to get me off my game. I take it as a compliment, obviously, because they see me as a threat, if I can put it in a sense like that. But um, it's a, it's a fine line, obviously, and it's a physical game. And I try to control the aggression. But yeah, it is rugby and it is a, a collision sport. I'll never do anything filthy that I can promise you. I always play as aggressive as I can because it is rugby. And after the 80 minutes, we can have a beer afterwards. Hopefully people learn to see me as that and see me for how I can play. That's exactly what happened to me. Goody, that was the same as me. People saw me as a threat. They wanted me out of there. Yeah, I think what happened with you, Jim, is you realised you were shit, so you could only fight. So that's what you did. But Evan, let's talk about the, the Springboks. Obviously, you know, you played that game. You were disappointed not to be involved in the rugby championship. But obviously, there's a, a winter tour coming up to no, in November with some massive games. Uh, have you had contact with Jacqueline Narber and uh, our mate, Razi Erasmus? Because um, obviously, it looks like a brilliant place to be in and we love Razzie's back on the touchline hopefully for the November tours as well maybe not doing the water but uh have they been in contact with you because you've started the season exceptionally well haven't you and I'm bang on form like the other last time we chatted they talked about obviously taking the SAA team and the Springbok team over because there's I think two midweek games against Munster and Bristol and uh, they say they're taking about 48 to 50 odd players I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch but the chats were that the guys who didn't get too much uh, game time in the championship and stuff will get chance end of the year. And it might be SAA or the box. I, I'm not sure. So I don't want to say yes, I'm going. Um, but hopefully it looks like it if they stick to the same uh, 40 or 50 players they, they uh, chose in the beginning of the year. So and, and, and if I do get the opportunity, obviously I'll take it with both, ha- both hands and just play and stuff. And it'll be a massive honor once again. Um, but yeah, we can only, time only time we can see. I think they're announcing it in the next few weeks or so. Then we'll know for sure. Yeah. And wearing the number eight jersey in years gone by is Dwayne Vermeulen. And you've got another guy who's one of the four mates in the world in Jasper Visa as well. Like how much are you taking from their game into your own game? You'll probably want to be your own player, but we're talking about two world-class number eights there as well. No, obviously you you bang spot on there. We yeah, we kind of play a bit of a bit different games. Obviously, um Dwayne and Jasper kind of play the same game for me. I've got a bit more of a running game in me, but it's some not a bad thing to learn that kind of art of rugby, especially for test rugby, because it's gonna be needed because the difference between test level and club level is obviously there is a massive gap and there isn't so much space and opportunity. So you have to develop the other side of your game. So definitely take into consideration and, and look how they do things so I can uh, improve that that part of my game. And I'm always interested to know, someone that's been coached by Razi Erasmus and been involved around him, we absolutely love him on the podcast. I'm friends with him. I, I messaged him on social media. We see his dancing on social media as well. The lads obviously see it, right? Is anyone in the Springbok camp brave enough to give him a bit of banter around it? Or is it all just nod and say, yes, Razi, you're the best dancer in the world? No, the people haven't even uh, haven't openly um, given him banter about it. I'm not sure if like people have done it one on one, but uh, I'm not planning to at all. I want <laughs> no, I want to say he's good books. <laughs> that means the lads are all sharing it, isn't they? They're sharing it on WhatsApp, and saying, "Have you seen our coach? He's an absolute legend." Um, but um, those videos are fun. I, I enjoy it when he puts them on and stuff. It's it, it's cool, and um, it it it's also lightens and brightens things up and takes the edge of things when things seem to get a bit intense and stuff. So um, I enjoy the videos. All right, Ivan. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. It was liquor to have you on and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. Oh, awesome, guys. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been a blast. Sweet. Brilliant. That's awesome. Mate, good luck with everything. Cheers, Ivan. Thank you, guys. Top, Top lad. Bloke. Yeah, he is. I love a South African. We love them, don't we, on here? We never have a bad South African. They're good people. Down to earth, trains like down, I say down to earth. He dropped in his dad's gone to Switzerland, obviously, getting all the round out of South Africa and dumping it in Swiss banks. He's obviously wedged <laughs> up his old man. <laughs> Hell of a player though, isn't he? Like he's fucking real uh, deal. And you, you mentioned it around Dwayne Vermeulen and obviously Jasper Visa as number eights that are ahead of him kind of in the in the mix at the minute. But geez, you know, he is an absolute monster, isn't he? Plays hard, plays tough, seems like a lovely bloke off it as well. 
Real deal of a player. Lovely. And it's great. He's 22. So it's great to have these young lads coming on and speak so openly about, well, I don't, I can't even say Italy's a shit I grew up in Coventry. He don't know what a horrible place is. He ain't seen Swansea yet, has he? <laughs> you wait until you see the dirty nappies literally rolling down the street. That's all I'm saying. But no, good on him, mate. Lovely bloke. Big shout out to John Dobson as well. Can we just pull Andy Rowe up on something as well? Lekker. It's lekker to have you on. Oh, <laughs> listen to you. Trying to make friends in Afrikaans. It's lekker to have you on. He hates you. Does he? South Africans hate Kiwis, mate. You're all arrogant. Head on up. He's so polite as well. The funny thing is, when I spent time in South Africa, there were Kiwis in South Africa who were Kiwis who hate Kiwis. It was bizarre. <laughs> like, I was like, mate, you hate your own. I don't get it. Right, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, loads of good this week. We're going to start off in the Prem. I mentioned a few bits of good. We're going to go to your old club, Jim Gloucester. Uh, they won the West Country Derby down at Bath. But not only that, they made 227 tackles in winning that game. So some shift. In the last sort of couple of minutes of that game, they were defending for a big spell to try and get the victory. So uh, shout out to all the Gloucester boys because I'm a Gloucester fan as well now after doing the bike ride with a few of the boys for about 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, so before you say it, Jim, what else was good in the Prem? Saracens and especially Elliot Daly. He got four try assists at the weekend, which is the most in the league since 2018, James. Lovely. Yes, which is four years ago. But yeah, I had a shout out to him. He looks on fire, doesn't he, Elliot Daly, in their win up at Newcastle. Alex Coles for Northampton Saints. Coles has been called up into the England squad and his performance for the Saints at the weekend was brilliant. 12 carries, two defenders beaten, 20 tackles, three turnovers and two tries. So uh, a brilliant performance by him. And David Ribbons as well. He looked wicked when he came on. Very, very good. I know Flats tweeted about it as well, but uh, he's a quality player as well. He's a big boy as well, isn't he? Got some good English players, isn't they, Northampton? English coaches... Just the ultimate English club. Yeah, but then you listen to Dave Ribbons and he sounds South African. So, uh, but he's English. He's English. Get him in, Eddie. What else was good? Sale. Get a mention of the good. Their victory at Tigers, inflicting Leicester's first defeat at home for 490 days. James, that's a long, long time. But Sale looked good. We spoke about them earlier. Rafi Quirk and Gus War, both nines, made the difference really. So, uh, big shout out to those boys. Jim, I can't believe you didn't mention it. Who? Where? In the URC. What? I gave the Scottish rugby pelters last week. Glasgow. Yeah. Have beaten the Bulls. They smashed the Bulls 35-21. First time anyone's beaten the Bulls this year. So they're going to get a mention in the good. But not only that, Matt Ferguson, 10 carries, 16 tackles, a turnover and a try. So uh, a massive shout out to the Glasgow boys. Leinster, get a mention in the good as ever normally. Ridiculously good at times versus the Sharks winning 54-34. They leaked a few more points than perhaps they'd have liked. But Sexton and Ringrose were on fire for those boys. Connacht. They're going to get a mention of the good. They beat Munster 2011 at the sports ground. A lot of people are making noises about how poor Munster were, but I'm back in Connacht. They were outstanding, led by return of the Mac, Mac Hansen. It's a big shout out to them. Over in France, Bayonne. Get a mention of the good, Jim. Didn't see it. Who, who was it against? Poe? Poe? No, they beat La Rochelle, the European champions, 29-13 uh, at home. So uh, they got promoted last year, Bayonne. So a big win for them. And Toulouse get a mention of the good as well. They spanked Claremont 46 points to 10 at home, they look ridiculously good as well. Basically, Champions Cup is going to be between the Stormers, Saracens, Leinster and Toulouse. They're the four teams at the minute that look ridiculously good. So I uh, can't wait for that competition to kick off in December. But the good this week is going to go to Exeter Chief Chief Chiefs. I thought they were back to their best on Friday night, putting 50 uh, on Bristol's. Absolutely pulled their pants down. They look sharp. They look strong. They look quick. They looked hungry, James. So Exeter Chiefs, you get the good this week. Bad, few bits of bad. We're going to start off with Bath. They lost again. That is now played for, lost four for Bath. Brief, get a mention in the bad as well. They lost 47-0 at Toulon. So I've got to stick my old team in the bad. Perpignan, they took 50 points away at Stad, 52 points to three. They get a mention in the bad. Claremont get a mention in the bad as well. They lost 46 points to 10 at Toulouse. Ospreys, going to get a mention in the bad as well, Jim. 47-17 loss to Ulster. Ulster looked sharp though, to be fair. Munster. Their trials and tribulations continue after the Van Graam era. Basically, wherever Van Graam goes, he loses, right? And Munster have still got the hangover. It's not Graham O'Rantry's fault, boys. He will come good for that club. Uh, but they get a mention in the bad. They lost again. The Scarlets get a mention in the bad again this week. And I've got to apologise. Because apparently on the podcast last week, I said that the Scarlets had played three, lost three. And I uh, apologise because they drew one of those games. But they lost again this weekend. So they're going into the bad. They lost this time at home to Cardiff. So they still haven't won a game this year, Scarlet's fans. Apologies for saying you'd lost all your games. You drew one, but you lost again. So you get a mention of the bad. But the bad this week, 
Unfortunately, Bristol's fans, Bristol's, you're getting it this week. Who takes 50 points at home, Jim? I don't think I ever have. Well, you did because you played for Saracens against Wasps once when it was about 70, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I didn't take 50 though, did I? I took 70. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Uh, Bristol's are going to get the bad this week. Pretty shocking at home to get dominated like that by a top team. Some work to do down at in bear country, as they call it. The ugly. A few bits of ugly to go through. We're going to start off with, you like this one, Jim, Paul Abadi. I need to know. Keep going. I need to know before I make any comments. I need to know what he's done, but it's something bad. Well, he's in the ugly because he's and his name's Paul Abadi, but he's the brave number nine. He took out Cheslin Colby in the air. No one touches Cheslin, and Cheslin landed on his head. He got sent off for that, but Cheslin didn't go for a HIA, so that's not good. If you get landed on your head and someone's getting sent off, you've got to go for a HIA. Yeah, but Paul Abadi gets a mention in the ugly this week. Jacob Umunga as well for his challenge. Uh, I know it's pretty unfortunate, but it did look pretty ugly. We do hope Jacob is okay, but you can't be taking Skozan out in the air like that. Johan Jansi van Rensburg gets a mention in the ugly this week. Two high shots in quick succession for the Sharks against Leinster. That led for the latter challenge being a red card, so uh, not a good look by him. But the ugly this week... Can only go to one man, James Hamilton. And I'm sure you have called him this before. Mako Vanapola gets the ugly this week for his shoulder to the head with force to Tom Penny. Wasn't a good look. He doesn't like Newcastle. He's probably never played there because they normally send the bin juice. So, unfortunately, Mako Vanapola, you get the ugly this week. Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got some shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yep, I've got a big shout-out to the Bali Legends, who'll be playing at the Dubai Rugby Sevens again this year. It's the 20th anniversary of the Bali bombings, when 202 people were killed, including 27 rugby players from Bali's Tens Rugby Tournament. I remember it, it was absolutely shocking, but they're playing in memory of all their friends and family who sadly lost their lives. Go well, guys, and we're thinking of you. Yeah, finally to Neil Ainsley, who is a top lad and Dunn's RFC club legend. Uh, he's currently in hospital, having had an operation for cancer. He's batting away, as he always did on the pitch. Keep fighting, big man, from all of your Murrayfield sports bar misfits and from myself, Jim Hamilton and Andy Rowe and everyone at the Rugby Pod. Keep fighting the battle, mate. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, producers Tristan and Rob, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rugby Spot. Spotty Pod, 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 Pod. The Rugby Pod is producing even more original content on YouTube. Search for the Rugby Pod stories to hear about salary caps, private equities takeover plans for rugby, the story behind Eddie Jones, and lots more.